thanks everybody for joining us. Um, we um, are happy to to be with you in what is um, a constantly changing and ever dynamic political landscape. My name is Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined as always by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Gentlemen, good to be with you. Interesting as always. Please. Interesting as always. Well, I, 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 th there is a lot to discuss, um, but I would like to begin our conversation with um, uh, two interesting pieces of journalism uh, out uh, since we were last together. Uh, first being, Mark, the anonymous op-ed published uh, in the New York Times, and the second being Bob Woodward's new book, Fear, um, which <clears throat> I have not had the chance um, to read, but am paying a lot of attention to the news coverage. He seems to be just about everywhere uh, in talking about this book, and everyone seems to be commenting about it, both favorably um, and not. Um, but Woodward's been at this for 47 years, and uh, and I think he has, by all accounts, something uh, to say about about this administration. And lots of people had things it seems like to say to him. Um, Mark, let's let's start first with the anonymous op-ed. Um, you know, the, the sort of framework of that op-ed being, you know, we're the resistance from within that we are we are looking to to. To safeguard the the country, but we're doing it doing it from within. What do you attach the political significance of of that op-ed? What do you what do you think it means for for Trump and and the West Wing? Well, it for sure means that uh, you have a mad as hell president and a West Wing and even further commotion. But it's a tricky one, Blake. I, I have to say, I'm I'm looking forward to the Woodward book question. That's an easier <laughs> one. the The anonymous op-ed is is a tricky one. Uh, I think it probably doesn't outlive the news cycle. Mm -hmm. I don't see it being that relevant in fifty some days on November sixth. I think it riles up his base and and with some some reason and the deep state and defying the electorate and all that uh i i don't know that it tells his opponents anything they didn't know before of course it doesn't i i wish he or she would have come out and and put a name on it but i do think the times was right to publish it. It's, yeah. it's news. Whatever. The, can I jump in? The, yeah, please. The, um, look, I think it's, first of all, I don't think he, he's going, gone out and said he's mad as hell. I'm not sure he's as mad as you think he is or as he's pretending to be. I think it's yet another opportunity for him to distract, um, or it's another, it's another opportunity to distract people from other things that he'd prefer they not be thinking about. And I don't think it was actually the worst thing in the world for Trump from that perspective. I think it also does play right into his hand as far as, um, you know, I don't get a fair shake. The media is biased. It plays right into his narrative from that perspective. I don't think it has much of an impact on the midterm elections. 
But I think it, look, I, I think the things, the forces that got him elected in 2016 are still very much running through this electorate. And this plays, plays right into those. I have a couple other thoughts. One is it, it's accurate. I mean, it's accurate. And, you know, I had a friend of mine who worked in the Bush administration and the Trump administration say to me, who I worked with in the Bush administration, say, Howard, you know, as you know, in the Bush administration, we got our heads handed to us if we didn't follow the process. In this administration, you get your head handed to to you if you do follow the process. That's the fact. <laughs> that is what that op-ed is fundamentally about. Mark, it's a lot of the stuff you and I talked about with Blake in, in the run-up to 2016. Um, by the same token, it's it's a chicken blank move. Um, it I just think it's sad. It's sad all around that somebody felt like they should write that op-ed but not put their name on it and that that was going to do good for the country. I just don't see it. I agree with that. I, I reluctantly agree with something Howard said, which is he or she should have put a name on it. I agree with that. The thing, Howard, that you and I continue to see differently, and I see it so differently, so much more differently every day that passes, including now being halfway through the Woodward book, which yeah. we're going to get to. Yep. This this guy is much less deliberate and much mes- less methodical than than you keep saying. I I believe. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's mad. I think he is mad as hell, as in angry. But I think he's also mad as in not in control of his faculties. Yes. He is a master showman. There is no question. One of the great, greatest showmen, maybe since P.T. Barnum, <laughs> and just about as fit for the presidency as P.T. Barnum would have been. But the more we learn about what goes on inside 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the more I think there's there's no method at all. I think it is impulse and it is anger and it is narcissism and it's and it's not good and it's not good. I mean, look, there's no question that. Um, first of all, I've never supported him. I didn't no, support no. him in his run for president. I think overall, it isn't going. He's not governing as but strongly he, as. I think a lot of people had hoped for there's some good stuff happening. Um, but I also think, Mark, he's a symptom and not a cause. Look at what's happening on the left. Bernie Sanders, he'd, he'd be no better, and he might even be worse. He's the same. What I'm suggesting He's the is, same is, guy from a different perspective. You And so what is going on out there? What is going on in this country that those are our choices? I mean, it is entirely conceivable that Bernie Sanders could be the next Democratic candidate for president of the United States. What is going on? Well, that's a damn good question. And the short answer is nothing good or very little good. We have to get down to Obama's speech on Blake's <laughs> list, which is some of us yeah. think a little something good. But I just want to be clear about what I was saying before, because as much as I uh, – want to disagree with you. I'm not going to accuse you of actually supporting the man. 
What I am saying is you continue to attribute strategy to what I believe is nothing more than a tantrum. It is a childlike, uncontrollable, emotional tantrum. And you keep telling me, once again, he's able to take us away. What did he? What? What is it that we're not looking at? I can't get us. But I can't get the guy. Got elected president of the United States. He got tens of millions of people to go to the polls and pull the lever. He did it on instinct uh, and on. He didn't do it with a, well, a traditional well, presidential campaign. There's an op-ed in, in, in the New York Post, too, from someone who actually worked, you know, for for Trump. And it it essentially it essentially Mark echoes the the points you're making, you know, um, which is that Trump is full of impulse. And he is full of bombast, and he's used to just sort of saying things. And sometimes it gets done, sometimes it doesn't get done. The example that that the author wrote was that Trump didn't want Braille in in the elevators, which was in Trump Tower. He didn't like the Braille, didn't like the way it looked. And you know, it was this notion of he just sort of be like, just take it off. We can't take it off, but. Um, and things that he just doesn't doesn't seem to to much care about. So I, I offer that as sort of a sort of a to dovetail into the Woodward book, which you are you you are are heavily invested in already. Um, what what are some early takeaways from from his reporting? Well, aside from what obviously we're hearing headline wise, yeah. denial of quotes, et cetera. Yeah, and. And maybe some of it's inaccurate, although he has a pretty good track, track record. record. Yeah, Bob Woodward and the denials mean nothing. We all know right from his track record. Mm-hmm. But but the takeaway, and maybe this is why I'm beating up on Howard on this point, although it comes up in every call. Forget any particular conversation. There's a lot of stuff in there that I'd never heard before. Some of it, by the way, very critical of Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Some of it, by the way, very complimentary of of policies that the administration has tried to advance. But but the unmistakable core takeaway from the first half of the book, which is how far I've gotten is that we have a mad king, that he is simply not in control of his emotions and not in command of any of these issues because Woodward repeats conversation after conversation after conversation, some attributed, some not. They can't all be wrong, and every single one involves a tantrum. Yeah. Look, but why? And how do we change that? Because this... Why well, the suggestion? Yeah, I'm sure you remove them. I'm sure you do, but Bernie Sanders is the same mad king. No. He is. Not fair. He is. Not Mark, he not is. First of all... Well, yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll get to, we'll get to, the, to the Democratic... You're going to be but the, so disappointed but the when he doesn't run gonna, for president. Yeah, what are you going to talk about when <laughs> Bernie <laughs> doesn't run? I'll talk about Elizabeth yeah. Warren because she's not much better. The, well, the, she's not a, a lunatic. You may not like her policies. I know you have a 
personal view. The, <laughs> Mark, the point is that we got here for a reason. Sure we did. We got to the point as a country where we elected the guy. He was elected is a better way to, I'll put it in the passive voice. He was elected to be president of the United States. Until, I don't, I don't disagree with what a, you're saying, but until we symptom, deal with those forces. No question. And he is a symptom not because of so much that is wrong with this picture. So he is a symptom, not a cause, most fundamentally a symptom, not a cause of the racism that is the underlying reality, I believe, of his election. And until we deal with the cause and not the symptom, we're going to be at the mercy of the next symptom. What he is not a symptom of, what he is in fact sui generis on and the, the sole cause of, is his lunacy. He's mad. Yeah, and look, he's mad. It's as somebody who spent a decade of his life inside the executive branch trying to make sure that things were done in the best interest of the taxpayer and um, uh, thoughtfully and strategically and, and deliberately, it is, it's upsetting. It is very upsetting. And, you know, there's nothing, well, there's no argument on that. Yeah. It's upsetting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the one thing, and we're seeing Trump's approval ratings continue to decline. Um, last check, he was at 38%. Um, down from like 43, down right? from 43. And so the, you know, hard to conceive that in theory getting much lower in terms of the, we know that he still holds among self-identified Republicans, although there are fewer of those now than, than yeah. there were. Um, he's still holding steady, but he's upside down considerably <laughs> among independents too. And he's now, he's now upside down among men. The poll so Adam, it, that should, I think, keep Republicans up at night, at least Republicans who continue to support this president, is, Blake, that 61%, according to that mm-hmm. poll that we're all citing here, the CNN poll, 61% of independents. Yeah. Believe that he's unfit to be president, not approve or disapprove. Sixty-one percent of independents who aren't partisan one way or the other think he is unfit to be president. I I, I agree with those sixty-one percent, and and we'll see what it translates into. That's the puzzle here. Because there's an right. election coming up, but he's not on the ballot. Right. It's obviously a referendum on him to a considerable degree, but but it is. But he was upside uh, down in 2016. Right. Right. Um. Yeah. I, I think I, I wonder if the distinction, and, and we'll know we'll know to a degree in in November, is that there was still the. There was still the possibility. People were still buying into the to the to the narrative that that there might be that pivot, right? We've talked about this a ton. We've talked about it for right. um, almost eighteen months, and and so I think the thinking being Trump's going to campaign one way, he's going to govern govern a different way. People have had a chance to to 
to see him. And I think that one thing, at least if we're acknowledging what the polls are suggesting, is that it's not enough to pass a massive tax cut bill. It's not enough to preside over a booming economy. And it's not enough to get, we'll talk about Brett Kavanaugh in a minute, at least one Supreme Court justice through maybe two. That at the end of the day, what we're seeing among independents is that they just don't feel comfortable with the guy. And I think that's what the Woodward book, Mark, seems to reinforce. And I think, and I agree with both of you, of course. I mean, I, I, I read the anonymous op-ed. I kind of rolled my eyes and, and like, thought, put your it, name on this. Maybe and, it is enough to get the tax cut through. Maybe it is enough to get to justices confirmed. But that has happened. Mm-hmm. We're, they got it. They got the benefit of the bargain. The Kavanaugh hasn't been approved yet. He will be. Right. Well, I don't think it's going to be a great bounce the way that confirmation has gone. But but there's nothing left that people are willing to put up with this to get. Yeah. So Good point. I yep. I don't see it so much as what he's delivered isn't worth the pain of having him been elected. I see it as they made a corrupt bargain. We'll take the devil because he's going to sign this and mm-hmm. appoint them. They got it. Now I think there's a lot of uh, well, second thoughts. Everybody, how much more of this the country can stand? Everybody saw in him, and I think to some extent still sees in him, whatever it is they want to see. It, I mean, he can be he can be a hardcore Republican to one person, and he can be a Democrat to another who happens to be using the Republican Party for his political purposes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he can be a a big corporate guy supporter to one person and anti-establishment to another. He's whatever you want to see, which is what makes him so unique. Well, we, let's, let's, let's touch on the, on the, but he's not on the ballot. Well, I, I think let, I, I want to get to that question because I want to talk about some of the, the polling from, from a lot of these key races, but let's, let's sort of wrap up with, with Kavanaugh for a minute because the confirmation hearings were, we're pretty bumpy um, for him. There's been um, a vast majority of of, of people are, are are not expressing a ton of enthusiasm for him after this confirmation. But politically, what happens? I mean, there's there still aren't enough votes at this point. Susan Collins is holding firm, um, and that, of course, always as we as we talked about last time always assumes that the Democrats hold the line, and we that's a big if. So what do you guys make of of the confirmation hearings in light of the broad... Joe Donnelly, Heidi Heitkamp, Joe Manchin. I just don't see... I don't see them voting. I don't see them voting against him at the end of the day. I don't think it's good... Kavanaugh's going to get confirmed, yeah. whether it's... 50-50 and Mike Pence puts him on mm-hmm. the Supreme Court or whether it's a couple more. I've been, just as a, uh, just for the record, and I've expressed this to a number of Democratic <laughs> senators who have privately conceded the point. Uh, I've been a dissenter on the whole Kavanaugh attack. 
he he's going to get confirmed. He's no better or worse than anybody that Mitt Romney would have appointed as president. Mm-hmm. And unless the Democrats take the Senate, which will turn to at some point, right? What? There's no end game here. You knock him out, and you get the 99 other guys just like him. Although maybe they did or didn't lie about stuff. And and somebody's going to get confirmed. This Look, president's going to appoint, and this Senate is going to confirm a Kavanaugh-like justice. So I thought we should have just gotten it over with. Just just skip the you, hearings and get it over. Yeah, with. You, you don't think you don't think that that the Democrats, by virtue of you know some pretty aggressive questioning, you know from Senator Harris, from Senator Booker. Um, and and sort of this this my view, opportunity to to at least demonstrate some political resolve, even if there is even if the outcome is not necessarily foregone, but pretty much foregone that he gets confirmed. My my concern with the Booker and Gillibrand and Harris over the top, over mm-hmm. my dead body, I'm against them before <laughs> I even meet them, is that it it gives some credence to what Howard keeps saying about what's going on in the Democratic Party. That is not governing either. Well, yeah. it's running for president. Yeah. Those yeah, are yeah. three people. The right. three people we just mentioned are all running for, they're all considering a run for president. And that had nothing to do with the midterm elections. It had nothing to do with the Democratic Party. It had to do with Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, and Cory Bunker running for president of the United States. It wasn't their finest moment either, as you're saying. No, I didn't. Saying you're against the guy before you even meet him is, is not governing. You know, and it's a and confirmation hearing, not a prosecution. Yeah, I mean, I wonder – and. And obviously we're although it did it did not go Sorry, well for we Kavanaugh. keep cutting you off. No, that's fine. <laughs> right. Hey, no, hey, just saying, talking. Found me. Just saying it 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 did it did not go well for Kavanaugh. Right. Those three were attacking him, or at least two of them. Right. And you know, his net favorability rating and, and again I just am trying to think through think about the politics of this, which you know, his net favorability rating right now is zero. So just as many are for him as, as are against him. And the only, I mean, he's more, he's more unpopular going into this vote than Harriet Myers was. Mm. Um, if that gives you any any sense of what the optics are around right. Kavanaugh, I mean, no one has been as unpopular as Robert Bork. But if, just to give you sort of a sampling, I mean, Gorsuch had a net approval rating of thirteen plus thirteen. Wow. Um, I mean, Kagan was at twelve. Um, Alito was plus 14. Uh, John Roberts plus 30. Um, I mean, the average for a Supreme Court justice is plus 20. This guy's a zero. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, whatever that means, it means. Yeah. I mean, whatever that means, it means. But um, but I just thought it was I just thought it was interesting um, that that that's where that's where Kavanaugh is going to going to end up pretty much as. As this this vote gets taken, I will be curious to see. Obviously, I'll be curious to see who who votes yes, and and then I'll be curious to see what the what the what the impact on the yes yeah. vote if she sticks with it for Susan Collins in Maine 
um, what that what that will do because there's been just so much attention yep. focused mm-hmm. on her um, and 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 what if any political ramifications there will be if um, if she if she if she sticks with it and alternatively if if she were to if she were to to communicate that she was changing her mind what that might mean for everyone else to your point Mark defeating Kavanaugh it's like playing uh, whack-a-mole the yeah, next one comes next. up you guys think that Donnelly Manchin and Heitkamp vote against him no I'm not saying I'm saying I'm I, I'm saying it at at some point, I think you're. I mean, it's it, what it's the age-old rule of if if he's going to get confirmed, then you you let the folks who it's a tough vote, a tough no vote for, go ahead and vote yes. Um, but if it if it is in doubt in some in some manner, does that present think, a different dynamic? I don't know. It's tough. I'm just curious. I think it's I tough. Think, I, I think it's the tough. The one that I think is interesting is. Um, Mansion. I think I know this is an astounding thing to say about any elected official in 2018. I think Manchin's going to actually vote the way he thinks he should vote. I think he's actually going to either vote for him or against him, depending on whether he thinks he should be on the Supreme Court or not. Because that his reelect is just so interesting. Trump won West Virginia by 40 points. 40 points. Manchin is close to, if not at, a double-digit lead. <laughs> Against a, actually a, a solid candidate. Yeah, right. He's a real guy. <laughs> candidate, we say it all the time, but the, he is the poster child for candidates matter. There's a 50-point swing yeah. from Trump to Manchin. And I, I don't know the man. Uh, met him. I don't know him well enough to know. I actually think he's going to vote his conscience. <laughs> he's got a, the other two are very conscientious. Great new ad out. Have you seen his Manchin's new ad yeah. where he's walking around with his shotgun taking aim at stuff he doesn't like? <laughs> <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's really, America. really great, something else. He's a great candidate. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty funny. Well, let's let's that's a good good sort of pivot to to some key races and um and data points that. That we have. I mean, we were. Let's talk about the Senate, Mark and Howard, because 538 now is saying there's a one in three chance the Democrats could take it. There has been enormous attention over the last you know, week or so on the Texas Senate race. Um, the there were trips to to the White House, pleas for the president to to get involved. He said he was gonna he was gonna sell out the biggest arena in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I assume is Jerry World um, for yeah. for this rally for for Ted Cruz. Um, I believe it when I see it. And it's a margin of error race at at this point. Um, so I mean, I mean, what? Hey, just what do you make of of that of that dynamic generally? I mean, what are well? It's two things about Texas. One is it. You just got to love, Blake, if you're on our side of things. You just got to love that Mitch McConnell has to support Ted Cruz. (laughs) You just got to love that Ted Cruz has to ask Donald Trump for help. These guys hate each other. McConnell and Cruz hate each other. Trump and Cruz hate each other. But they're all in it together and... 
And Cruz is, is formidable in a very red state. However, however, like we've said before about all these races, tell me who's going to vote and I'll tell you who's going to win. Mm-hmm. There are enough Hispanic votes, enough Latino voters who didn't vote in 2016, who were they to come out and were they to support O'Rourke or Beto? Mm. It would be better for the Latino yeah. vote. Uh, he can win that thing. He can He can most certainly win that thing. Yeah, I mean, you look... But he needs just an overwhelming turnout. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you're you sort of you sort of sense. I mean, he is uh, you know, anecdotally take it for what it's worth, but it but it certainly was relevant when Obama was running in 08. It was relevant in Trump in 16. I mean, people are showing up to listen to him speak. They are he's raising enormous amounts of money online. Uh, there is enthusiasm behind behind his campaign, um, and Ted Cruz is is a challenging candidate and having to and having to 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 deal with the dyna- the McConnell dynamic and the Trump dynamic. Um generic ballots today, I mean again, today 14. Yeah. So, I mean there there is that as well. Um that you have to think about. Say and let's let's Give credit where credit is. He was going to say, "Give the devil." I was going to say that because I, I know Mark too right. well. <laughs> but he edited credit himself. Credit is due in any conversation in which Trump is included. No one else is the devil. So, so Howard's been saying there's a path. I've been saying no. Uh, one in three, maybe it is actually one in three. It's so hard to see. There are ten races that are really that are really contested. Six of them are D's, four of them are R's, and you can just do the math. Mm-hmm. You need to pick up two seats. So you can, you'd can. rather be Republican than Democrat on this on this one. But, but it's more possible, as Howard's been saying, than I ever thought it was. I think, but I, I think what's interesting is that you've got um, a couple of races and I'm thinking about Florida and New Jersey. Yeah. Where I think you've got you've got very vulnerable Democrats. And obviously yeah. Florida is a is a state that Trump won, but um but it, it, it can go either way. Um I don't you, see that. I, I'm well the best thing not in New Jersey. Uh, the best thing to happen to the Democratic Party was the guy that got elected or the guy that got the Democratic nomination for governor because he's going to pull out the African-American vote in Florida in a big way. And that's probably more helpful to Bill Nelson. Could save Nelson. He could save Nelson. Yeah. That's a huge deal. In New Jersey, Menendez, he's not well-liked. All he of can the above, but the polling. He can lose. All I'm saying is, those are races that, at least in New Jersey, those should be cakewalks, and they're not. Yeah. They're not going to be in a, in a Democratic wave year. Yeah. Um, Florida, I think, can go either way. Conversely, you know, I'm looking at Tennessee. 
can go. That's the way. race. Yeah. Um, Brett is in. Former governor has been up in in some of the recent polls. A little bit over Blackburn. A little bit, yeah. but little but bit. in in a three, three points. Yeah. yeah. What did Trump win Tennessee by? A huge margin. I yeah. can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. yeah. Um, a huge margin. Yep. And that could absolutely that could go either way in a state that should be a cakewalk for the Republicans. So he could go either way. That's an R seat. Mm-hmm. Arizona could go either way. That's an R seat. Mm-hmm. Nevada could go in either way. That's an R seat. Florida could go either way. That's a D. New Jersey. Uh, Missouri. North Missouri, Dakota, Indiana, North Dakota. Missouri, yeah. India. It, well, what's interesting sitting here in uh, in Pennsylvania is that there are a number of states where even six months ago, three months ago, people, including us, were saying that can go either way. They now seem much safer for mm-hmm. them. Bob Casey. Bob yeah. Casey seems, seems safe. John Tester's opening up mm-hmm. something of a lead. Uh, it, it, still a steep climb. Still a steep climb. It's, it's actually not a steep climb. <laughs> it's going to be a Democratic wave. The question is how big of a wave. Um, I actually don't. I'm going to continue to say what I've been saying. I don't think it's that steep of a climb. You don't want to jinx it by being overconfident, but I think it's going to be counting votes. A yeah. very positive. It's going to be a very positive year. It's you know it's Let's interesting. Do. Why are we waiting so? Yeah. Long? <laughs> it's over with. Yeah. The um, so yeah. all the races at this point, New Jersey's not yet a margin of error race, but everything. I mean, every single one of these races, depending on the polls, tie plus one plus two, the other way. I mean, it's these. Assuming we can. We can we can have some some level of confidence in the polling itself, which is an if. Um, it's going to be close. Well, now now Mark, you're, I will say, and I, um, you know, your your friend Senator Casey is is has been holding a steady double digit lead for for a while. Um, so Pennsylvania state that should be safe that. Is, it is looking safer by the week, although I know you'll tell me not to jinx it. But. Well, the irony for for uh, Bob Casey and Tom Wolf both is that <laughs> they are going to keep their jobs because Donald Trump, not Hillary Clinton, is president. Mm-hmm. If they were running with President Clinton in a Democratic Congress, it would be it, it would be throw the bums out. Yeah, I mean it, it, it is interesting. It's something we haven't we really haven't touched on. There are a lot of different. Different sort of different dynamics. You think about think about the uh, Trump not being on the ballot, but presidents with pretty low approval ratings in midterms lose about an average of thirty seven, you know, thirty seven House seats. So, um, yeah, because it's easier to throw stones when you don't have the power. Yeah, it's right. Simple. I mean, that is a law of nature. It's a law of nature in politics. And it's the way the game gets played. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about, you know, a situation like I was in in government where you'd have, you know, five multi-member board of an agency, three of the party of the president, two of the party not of the president. All day long, the minority party throws stones because guess what? They can because they don't influence the decision. That's the way you attract people to your agenda. 
by being activists, and that's what's going on. It's what happens every cycle, Blake. The, um, we've got two governor governor's races. We touched on one, which is a Florida governor's race, and and what what that race looks like. And and Gillum's now. I mean, he's he's open plus four, so um, you know that's uh, that's certainly a good sign for for him. Florida gubernatorial races are traditionally very close, so. That that's interesting, and in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, the Democratic nominee, is tied, um, running for governor there. So those are those are two states again that uh, Florida more competitive for the Democrats than Georgia traditionally, but um, but that's um, two two gubernatorial races to pay attention to. The elections that are going to tell us more about the mood of the country maybe than others are down south, Florida, Texas, Georgia. It's interesting to me that that were we, the Democrats, to take two of those three races, mm-hmm. Texas Senate, Florida, well, four races, Florida Senate, Florida Governor, and, and Georgia Governor, if the Democrats took three of those four, th- that says a lot about the mood of the country. And the way things usually, nothing's usual since the last election, but the way things usually work is elections usually very late, last couple of days, break one way or another. What, um, like you, you mentioned the polls. Mm-hmm. Like what are we supposed to make a poll at this point? It's I mean, I look at every poll now. It, it's impossible to look at a poll without thinking about how wrong they were mm-hmm. two years ago. And I don't know, it'd be interesting at some point to have somebody who's an expert in polling come on and talk to us about how to think about polls. Because to me, they're, I don't know what they're worth. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's tricky. They were, there's a, there was a couple of deep dives after after the congressional race in in Boston because the polls were just were just so you know wrong and um and and obviously as we think about it analytically and I think that would be great. It would be but certainly certainly a value add I think for everybody listening. But you know you just got this you've got this natural technology problem of of cell phones and are people willing to answer uh you know answer a a phone call from a number they don't know, or are they willing to participate in a poll? And two, how do you how do you sort of this is this is something I by no means am an expert in, but how do you sample considering you know the 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 fact that you you've got so many different mechanisms to understand who's actually going to vote, not how what people have voted in the past, but you see these. Enormous surges and people win by, by you know, double digits, and the public polling has them losing by thirty points or something crazy in 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 um, in that congressional race. So I, I think it's I think it's something something to explore because we certainly it's the only barometer we have other than what you're hearing from people on the ground. So um, you know, it's as we get closer, Mark, to your point. I, I think don't know what to make of them yeah. because of what we all experienced two years ago. But I do know, and, and you do too, Howard and Blake, that polls are still being taken by candidates mm-hmm. and are still driving yeah. the strategy of candidates. 
So they they may be wrong, but they are still dictating the terms of engagement um, in these races. Well, and I think I mean too. There's always I don't know. Yeah. There's always an issue with an African American candidate and whether people are willing to say that they're voting against the black guy and woman. Right. Trump was clearly underpolled because people didn't want to say even to a stranger that they were voting for the lunatic mm-hmm. and they went out and did. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's always that that challenge of of, you know, when you're when you're finally put to that decision. Um, and you got to pull lever one way or another. Are you actually pulling it for for the guy that or, or person candidate? So I, I will say. I mean, I think the last thing to, to to wrap up with for for today is Mark. I'll sort of come back to you. President Obama has thrown his political hat back into the ring. President George W. Bush has said he's going to hit the road raising money for Republican congressional candidates. What do you make of? Um, what do you make of, of that engagement? What do you make of, of President Obama's speech? Well, you know what I made of Obama's <laughs> speech. So I'm a fan. I think he came up short on some very important things late in his presidency, like Russian interference. But having red lines, all that. <laughs> Yeah, and even the I would have done Merrick Garland all different, but I'm a fan. I thought it was a great speech. It's great to hear him again. He is clearly still a lightning rod for the other guys, and having him out there, I think, is a net positive for Democrats. Uh, maybe, maybe meaningfully net positive. But never underestimate the backlash with a guy like Obama. Just, right. just red hot. He's just a red hot figure in American politics. Right. I, I guess my view, Blake, is that um, as I've said for m- many calls now, I think health policy, healthcare, mm-hmm. is the number one policy issue. Yep. On the ballot in November, by a mile, and that is what's going to determine, I think that's what ultimately puts Democrats over the top from a policy point of view. And I think Obama going out there, President Obama going out there, and um, he's the embodiment of his Obamacare. (laughs) And I think that's what that um, is about in a lot of respects. I think it's much more nuanced than... Just getting a good guy who knows how to give a good campaign speech out on the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's and it'll 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 you know now that people are 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 back from you're finally back, Mark from from your <laughs> I ran out of runway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but people are back. They're starting to they're starting to kick into gear, and lots of folks have been paying attention. But for people who don't live and breathe politics every day like us, um, other priorities. So voters are really starting to, to to sum up where how they're feeling about these candidates. So it'll be interesting where to see where Obama ends up and what and what um what effect that, that does have. I'll I'll be fascinated to see because I I think there's I think in in some ways you're I mean in both ways you're you're both right. I mean he's both uh he could he has the potential to to drill down on 
the healthcare issue in a really effective way. He also has the potential to motivate a whole bunch of people who don't like him. Um, yeah. And so I will, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, well, a lot to discuss. The primary day in New York. We vote tomorrow. Well, I mean, yeah. So tomorrow. And um, and what do you think? Today. Uh, today. Today. Yeah. As it counts. Yeah. Right. It's today. today. Right. Yeah. Today. So uh, it, it is. Uh, I know our I know some some of our colleagues are are hosting a call on that specific um, on the New York races uh, on Friday. That's tomorrow. And right and uh, yeah right. Uh, so primary day in New York. I I don't think you you're envisioning that Cynthia Nixon will uh, will advance in the Democratic primary. Not happening. Not happening. No. But it'd be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The real race there. Of it's a good show. For AG. Yeah, right. The, the the AG race. Yeah. Um that so anyway, it'll be interesting to that's that's sort of the next big one coming up. Um and then we have our next we're getting together again on the eighteenth, I believe. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. So we'll have I mean, you know, as the world turns, it changes every hour. So it's um, it, it there it's will good. be a new book out by Tuesday. Yeah, right? that's right. Right. Well, <laughs> Mark, about well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we got Omarosa's book and and whatever Mark was was working on under the yeah. under the the tree and and is in that island not yeah. too far away. Um, well, guys, always fun to be with you. Thanks everybody uh, for listening, and I hope you will join us next Tuesday. Thanks, Blake. Thanks.